Over the past few days, I've spoken to President Trump about what we can do to slow the spread of COVID-19. Deputy Prime Minister Freeland has been in touch with Vice President Pence and Secretary Pompeo. I just spoke to President Trump again this morning, and we have agreed that both Canada and the United States will temporarily restrict all non-essential travel across the Canada-US border. Hey, welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by the Ram 1500 Sport, built exclusively for Canadians. I'm Ryan Dixon in my basement, and I've reached my usual podcast partner, Rory Boylan. Rory, what room are you in? I'm in the living room. I got the TV right next to me here. I got a window to the other side I can look outside of and think of being outside. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, pretty comfortable, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're obviously doing our best, as hopefully everyone is out there, to to keep our distance from our fellow wonderful uh, human beings as we all wade through a bit of a bizarre new reality. Also doing the same these days, Todd Lushko. Todd is the Director of North American Scouting and Player Development for the defending German League champions, the Adler Mannheim Eagles. Todd is going to join us to talk about what things looked like in the German League before uh, that became one of the many leagues around the world, hockey and otherwise, to cease operations for this season. The German League has cancelled the rest of its season. And of course, that is not the case as of yet anyways for the NHL. But um, Rory, I mean, I can't think of another situation that has been as rapidly developing, at least nothing in my lifetime with this far of a reach and I mean just for my own little personal version of what has gone on here the past week uh, I was supposed to be on an airplane right now one week ago heading to Tampa Bay last Wednesday on the 11th it wasn't until the evening before I was just throwing on my computer bag to head out the door to go to the Tampa Leafs game that night And got a call saying, look, it's not a great idea for you to go to Tampa Bay at that point. And in what's become a bit of a theme for me and my wife as we talk about this, you know, it's just crazy how quickly things have gone from or how every day you look back on something and think, I I can't believe that 24 hours ago or 48 hours ago, we thought X was going to happen. And, you know, a day and definitely two days after the trip to Tampa was canceled. You know, I went from feeling a bit disappointed to, oh my God, I can't believe that I could have been on a plane, uh, you know, bound for Florida. Obviously so much has changed in, in the past seven days, but um, just a, a bit of a, you know, a crazy ride for all of us. What have things been like on your end as uh, not only personally, but as someone who is responsible for uh, feeding content to uh, a website that covers the NHL? Yeah, it's been crazy for sure. I mean, at this point last week, you know, most of my job, a lot of my job is working with the the columnists, the insiders, the guys in all the markets um, about covering their teams. And so we have travel plans, right? And like Vancouver, uh, the Canucks had a trip upcoming soon to a couple of cities in California and then off to Vegas. And 
Then there was the emergency declared in Santa Clara. They weren't making a stop through San Jose, but the thinking was that's going to spread to all of California. How are we going to adapt? Is is our writer uh, comfortable even going on the trip? And these were questions we were beginning to explore. And it just so quickly happened that the league started to shut off. You know, when the NBA, when there was the positive test to Rudy Gobert and, and that league closed its doors on Wednesday night, then you get the feeling like, okay, the NHL has got to happen next. And, and sure enough, the, the following day it does. And so all of the, the travel obviously gets canceled right away. And then the thinking goes from, we were just talking about these stretch runs, planning content for teams clinching playoffs, playoff look-aheads. For Vancouver, you know, they were facing a a bit of a struggle. So how are they going to respond? It was looking like that might come right down to the final game for them, switching off all of those story ideas and into a completely different gear as to, first of all, what are the players doing? What are the teams doing? You know, making it very personal because all of these guys are dealing with with their own families, their own situations. It has nothing to do with hockey right now are they willing to share their stories and some other evergreen content that we weren't planning to uh even start on even start working on anytime soon because we're in the middle of a season putting that uh to the front and because the story is still evolving at at a very fast pace and in directions you can kind of see coming but you don't really know where it's going to go or when it's going to come like the first positive test that happens last night on on tuesday you could see it coming right like it would have been a surprise that no nhl players ever tested positive but you don't know where it's going to come from or when that's going to hit and there's going to be a lot of those kind of developments through this so you know for us it's just we can we can plan for it as best as we can but we got to stay nimble right because there are going to be so many turns that we're going to see over this next little while that we've got to be able to adapt to i think the guys have done a tremendous job i think they've got some uh lines out there still i think we're going to have some great stories uh in the weeks to come um it's a situation that i have never lived through. I don't think any any of us have ever lived through anything like this before. So in, in a way, it's a learning experience as we do it. And, um, you know, we just got to keep doing what what we're best at. And that's that's finding the stories that people want to read and, and telling the news for what it is, but also getting some positivity out of this and some forward looking uh, ideas as well. And keep podcasting. So in case and we forget, bi- yeah, big up to to Amal Delich, our producer, who was driving around the GTA on Tuesday night, hand-delivering equipment so that us Luddites could basically just click a link and uh, and hold a microphone and, and keep things going. So big ups to, to Amal. Yeah, it's funny. We're so used to talking to players and coaches in the NHL knowing they've got way more information about something than we do, although mm-hmm. that always has to do with the game itself. But yeah, I spoke with an assistant coach on Monday night and, you know, just hearing him even say, we're just listening to the news like everyone else, right? Like even that sort of hit home for me that you you just sort of assume somehow behind the scenes, there's, you know, there, there's more knowledge or that they're working with something beyond what we, we know, but um, it's just not the case. Everyone is, in this together and just kind of feeling their way through this bizarre reality. Yeah. I mean, even the league is, it sounds like uh, from what Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are saying, like they're open to ideas from just about anybody as to what they can do. Um, You know, and there are factors of, 
you know, arena availabilities and, and how you would need to work around contracts that would expire July 1 and, and all these CBA kind of things that they need to figure out. So they, I, I'm sure, have more information than we do, but they don't know where this is going to go either. And so they've got to keep all their options open, take all the ideas that they can possibly get. I mean, we've heard, you know, the possibility of a 2014 playoff or you're coming back and finishing some kind of truncated regular season to give teams a chance to get into the playoffs. And maybe we go back to 16 teams or maybe it's a March Madness style or whatever. And Ryan, I believe you're going to try and explore some creative yes. uh, playoff ideas in, uh, for sportsnet.ca in the days ahead. But uh, that's kind of where we're at right now is nobody knows what's going to happen. So let's just shoot some ideas out there and, and have some fun with it and, and see if anything sticks. And you know, without knowing if we're coming back in May or August or not until next October even. Do you have a personal threshold like when you think or when it might feel odd to you to be playing a Stanley Cup final? I mean, obviously anything June, August, when it comes out of your mouth sounds weird, but what's yeah. your sense knowing that it sure sounds like they would love to find a way to get that cup handed out? Well, I mean, it sounds like they would prefer to do this by July 24th, which is when the Olympics are supposed to start and that they don't go up against that. For me, it would be really weird to see a Stanley Cup going out in August or even September. Um, you know, these are down periods. You know, I'm open, definitely. I, I, I would prefer to see a Stanley Cup awarded this year than not. But at the same time, that one idea, the March Madness idea, where you get into a single elimination style thing, like something like that... That goes a little too far for my tastes, where it's it doesn't make it as much of a challenge as it should be. You know, part of the draw of the Stanley Cup playoffs is you have to make it through four rounds, win sixteen games, four yeah. best of seven series, and the grind and the toll that takes on your body and and all of those challenges that you you face to get through that whole thing. And if you shorten it a little bit too much, I think it cheapens it just a little bit. So I, I, you know, I'm open to the idea of like, maybe we go through a playoff where everything is a best of five or the first round is a best of three. And then the rest are best of five or something like that, because there's still a grind and everything, but to go much shorter than that, I think is a little bit too far for me. And and you got to keep in mind too, like these players are going to need time to get back into shape. So you got to build that into whatever schedule, um, you're trying to come up with here. And it just, as these windows keep getting pushed further and further back, you know, at one point they were hopeful that practice facilities would be open this week. And obviously that's not going to happen. And now it sounds like the earliest might not be until early May that we can get into games. And the further and further these windows get pushed back, it just seems less and less likely that it will ever make sense to get to a playoffs this year. Do you have a favorite, by the way? Do you have a favorite? A favorite format? A favorite format for a playoffs. If you had to come back and have one pick of a playoffs, do you have one that sticks out to you as something you'd like to try that's different? I'll have a better answer for you, I guess, after I uh, let my okay. imagination <laughs> run wild here tomorrow and, and Friday. But, I mean, I'm kind of with you that as fun as the single elimination March Madness thing sounds, even in a under these crazy circumstances, I don't know if I can quite get there but i mean it certainly is an opportunity to test things i mean one thing i've always been interested to see if they'll ever tweak ever since a, a coach uh, just a junior a coach way back when brought up to me the idea of turning around uh how home ice advantage works even uh and especially if you have some arena issues um maybe uh this would be your chance for some alternative planning but 
the proposal that was made to me was that the higher seeded team would actually open on the road. You'd play two on the road, then two at home, five on the road, six and seven in your building. The idea being that, you know, if you open at home, all the pressure's on you, you have to hold serve right off the hop, whereas the visiting team just wins one and all of a sudden they feel fantastic. So even stuff like that, who knows if that Mm -hmm. comes into play. But yeah, I mean, I I will say... Round Robins? Yeah, round Robin for sure. And in terms of letting teams in, like, I don't know. I don't know if you go, if you do a round Robin and, you know, include teams that are presently outside the playoffs to be honest i'd be okay with going i mean especially if you're trying to crunch it in just going uh points percentage uh everyone's played at least 68 games that's 20 more than they play in lockout season so obviously this is a season with credibility and and integrity so i'd be okay with that as well but yeah i mean there's there's any number of directions you could take this thing there really is. I mean, that that's the other one to try something completely different and get away from that bracket if, is if you did a round robin and, you know, have to sit and think about what that would look like. But if you could figure out a way where every team in your little division there plays everybody once and then you have a winner that comes out of it, if you have... If you come out of that with like a semifinal and then you could finish the rest of the way with a couple of best of seven series, then maybe that gives uh, enough integrity to, you know, you've played enough games, you've had time, you know, there's no flukes that are really going to come out of that probably. I'm open to something like that. It's just you, you need to play enough games to make it so that you're not going to get some fluke wins the Stanley Cup and we're looking at, you know, coming back in October and celebrating the Montreal Canadiens winning the Stanley Cup when they probably weren't going to make the playoffs if uh, the season finished to its conclusion. Well, something else we've got to figure out is how are people going to wrap their fantasy hockey leagues? This is usually the part of the podcast where we remind people to check out the Sportsnet fantasy pool presented by Ram at sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram. Unfortunately, as with many, 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 many other things around the globe, uh, that has uh, been put on hold. But Rory, uh, fantasy teams out there are figuring out whether they can get their hands on some dollars. Do they get, do they just get to snatch their money back? I know you've been, uh, pushing that in one of our leagues do you just take the standings <laughs> from the regular season how do we do this yeah i was joking the first thing that i texted uh, our commissioner was i want my money back because i was just hanging on to a playoff spot so my chances were <laughs> dim anyway but his solution i think it sounds like is going to be um like our playoffs were set right the six teams were already in and the rest we knew who were out so he's going to weight it um, and pay every team that made the playoffs some money. First place will get the most, second, the second most, and and on down. And I think that makes a little bit of sense if we're not going to get any more games. At the same time, if we're still hopeful that there's going to be some finish to a regular season, um, I wonder if if you have to wait for that. Would that even include a team like the San Jose Sharks that had nothing to play for, you know? And, And if you have Sharks and you can't play them, then then that hurts the integrity. So that might be the way, is if you pay teams that were in the playoffs, because while I was the last team to qualify, uh, you know, there's no telling. You could have gone on a run and won, won the title. So I don't think it's fair to not give anything, because anybody could have won at this point. Maybe that's the solution. I think everybody's going to have their own way to figure this out. You're going to have to take maybe some 
voting uh, around your league and have everybody in a, some sort of agreement on how that gets sorted out. But <laughs> obviously, this is the least of our worries right now. Um, but uh, this is something every league is going to have to kind of figure out on their own. But please don't discount the teams that just got into the playoffs but did get into the playoffs. <laughs> Anything can happen. All right, we will bring in Todd Lushko on the other side of the break. Todd is the director of North American scouting and player development for Mannheim Eagles, uh, the Adler Mannheim Eagles, I should say, in the German League. I'll send us out on a funny anecdote. A couple years ago, I was writing a story about Luke Adam, who uh, fans may remember as a guy who was uh, a second rounder of the Buffalo Sabres not so long ago, 2008 draft. And uh, Luke wound up being a guy who, after some time, a lot of time in the AHL, made the jump over to Germany and Mannheim. I, uh, he, he may have even been, uh, actually, I think that predated Todd's time with Mannheim. Uh, he, I was going to say maybe Todd knew him. However, Luke uh, went over to Germany and a lot of people, when he was talking about going over there, asked him about his dad's experience, his dad, Russ Adam, who played eight games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you went to uh, elite prospects, you would also be led to believe, spend some time in the German league. And Luke was a little puzzled by why people kept asking him about his, uh, his dad's time in the German league because he'd never actually played there. And the best they could come up with after talking to his dad was back in the 80s when we didn't have that whole wonderful interweb to, to second uh, check things. Someone just went over there and said, hey, I'm the Rosanna who played for the Maple Leafs in uh, 85, 86. And someone in Germany gave him a job. So uh, it was a simpler time back then, Rory. And I would love to someday write the 5,000 word feature about people who maybe just went over and claimed to be someone else and... Uh, had some, you know, maybe played a little NCAA, thought they could fake it in, in the German league, and maybe you could in, in the late 80s. So, yeah, I remember talking to, that's what I, the first thing I asked Luke, because I was doing that's a story great. about his time there, and I was like, oh, but you, you know, you must have been able to ask your pops a few questions about uh, playing there, because he played there, and he's like, yeah, funny thing about that, he actually did. So, <laughs> there you go, a little tale to, to tease up Todd Lushko, who we will talk to on the other side of the break here on Tape to Tape. Germany's disease control agency has raised its coronavirus risk assessment to high. The head of the country's public health institute says stricter measures are necessary to contain the spread of the virus. That's due to increasing warning signs from German clinics that the number of serious cases is rising. Hey, joining us now... He is the director of North American Scouting, and he's involved in player development as well for the Adler Mannheim Eagles of the German League. It is Todd Lushko. Todd, how you doing? Gentlemen, doing as well as we can be during these uh, these days of uh, crisis and everything that's going on in the world. But uh, personally, I'm doing just fine. Well, good to hear. Uh, certainly strange days here. Why don't you take us back? We'll start with... The German League has canceled the schedule for those who were unaware. So why don't you let us know just sort of how things came about there, how you got that news, what was going on at that time, and then we'll sort of get in what's happened from there. It's kind of like everywhere that, that kind of happened over here. It came very quickly, you know, with the first outbreak of the coronavirus that we heard over uh, in Asia and everything and how everything started to slowly creep over. You didn't hear too much about it. Um, I actually had 
my general manager and the owner of the team, uh, the other man, and they came over and we did uh, what we usually do two times a year, North American tour with the ownership group and the GMs. And we were all over in California. We're upstate New York. Uh, it was just kind of business as usual, doing what we had to do, get prepared for the season. Playoffs were just around the corner. So we just, you know, had a little bit of strategy and talking about where, what direction we're going this year and the following year. And then the ownership group and uh, my general manager, they all flew back to Germany. And about a week after that is when everything just, when the crap hit the fan and everything came down. And next thing I know, I got a phone call letting me know that the season has been canceled just like that. So it was very abrupt, but I mean, obviously the right thing to do at the time, but obviously, you know, everyone was in disarray. No one knew what exactly was going on players were kind of like well what does this mean is it is it officially over um are we just going to hang on are we going to see what's going to happen but uh you know they basically made a decision on the spot uh, amongst all of the ownership group and obviously the german government got involved and and gave their recommendations and it was just cut off it was done so i got on the phone talked to a couple players and guys were immediately looking to book their flights to come home and to everyone just dispersing and going wherever. There was no really no year-end meetings. Everyone was kind of like, we'll be in touch, get home, be safe. Uh, and that was the end of it. It's times like this, you're kind of reminded that all these players, everybody in the game, they're humans too. And they've got their own families to, to worry about um, amidst all of this. So as you're making these phone calls and everybody's kind of scrambling to get home, like, can you express or explain how hectic that was or... or, or what the logistics were like sorting through everything and making sure everybody was able to get to where they needed to go. Well, it was the first couple of days, like we said, when they, when they closed the season and then when everyone finally knew it was all over, um, a lot of the players still for you know a day or two, they're kind of like, well, what's going on? Because no one really had any answers exactly what we're going to do, obviously, because we've never gone through this. No one's ever gone through this uh, with the exception of way, way back. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, but over in Germany, this has never happened. What do we do now? Do we just wait? Do we hang out? Do we are we waiting for our next instruction? And that's kind of what it, it kind of happened for the first day. They were just the ownership group, and everyone was scrambling to make sure, you know, where do we go from here? So uh, a lot of players were left in limbo. They didn't really know what to do. And then finally, uh, we told them, all right, guys, uh, it's time to get your flights. You guys can get out of here. We're not going to be doing any year in meetings. We're not going to do anything like that. So there was a little bit of confusion a lot of the players have kids that are in international schools or in uh, german schools so a few of them well are we staying here because at the time the schools hadn't been closed so there's a lot of unanswered questions so people are like well what are we doing are we staying for two months we let the kids finish up school and then as everything got magnified and got worse and worse and worse over the the next 48 hours everyone realized the certainty of, of what's going on and and how everything is going to be shut down and how it's time to just get back with family members, get back to your own hometowns uh, and be able to just deal with this. If you're Canadian, American, Czech, wherever you came from, get back there as quick as you can, spend time with your family. So yeah, there was a little bit of chaos, but it was a little bit, for us, it was organized chaos. They did a very good job of kind of figuring things out quickly for the guys. But for the first 48 hours, yeah, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, like it is over here. Still, we're still going through uh, things that we don't know exactly what we should or shouldn't be doing. It's because we've never gone through anything like this. So that's stretched across the pond just as it is right here right now. Todd, we'll back up a little bit here. Why don't you tell people a little bit about what you do? You reference going around North America with your owners uh, and give people a sense of what your job is and then let us know what you're up to right now. What, if anything, you can be doing in your role as director of pro scouting. 
it would be the same type of job as anyone that's that, that works for an NHL team that is a director of pro scouting and, and player development, which means I travel around North America. I see NCAA games. I see NHL, American Hockey League, CIS, uh, by the way, which is a very good league. I love that league. And, and go around and I'm basically putting together a list and compiling uh, names of, of who are potential players that we may be interested in this year coming up in the 2000, uh, 2021 season. And then also players that I put, I compile lists of guys that may be down the road in two or three years that may be ready to come and give Europe a shot. I do a lot of that. And uh, then we always, you know, four times a year, we all get together. We're over in Germany. We go over our lists the same way as an NHL team would get together with their meetings and, and discuss players that they may want to trade or draft for. Uh, the little bit difference with us is that we're not looking at drafting. We're looking at guys that have already played, you know, pro and, and have a somewhat of a resume, right? And, and you try to distinguish how their game in North America could transfer over to, to Europe and if they would be an effective player in our league. And then I also work with a U18 team, our, our junior program that comes over to North America uh, twice a year. I put them, I get them into international tournaments. I set up exhibition games for them and, and help these guys uh, when they come over, I'm kind of their liaison when they come to North America. This year we were in Boston. Last year we were up in St. Andrews College uh, and played there. And we had the likes of a Mordet Sider that was drafted sixth overall by Detroit last year. He went through that program, played with our pro team last year. And then this year, uh, Timmy Stutzel is playing with our pro team right now that also went through that U18 team. And he's most likely going to go in the top five in the NHL draft this year. So just kind of the eyes and ears for for my organization over in uh, in Europe. Uh, letting them know exactly what's available. But I do a lot of talking with general managers and scouts over here about our young guys in Germany to keep them uh, abreast of what these guys have, how they're, what type of person they are, what type of player they are, just to give them more information for guys that are potentially going to be drafted uh, in the NHL from our organization. And how much does it change that there's nothing going on anymore? Like, what can someone in your position do? Now, I mean, maybe it's just like the rest of us. We're sitting at home waiting to see what is going to happen next. But you still got a plan for next year's team, I imagine, and how that's going to look. So what what are you and the organization able to do right now? Yeah, well, personally, I've, I keep going through my own list, refining things. And the beauty of, of technology nowadays is if I'm uncertain on a guy or I, I want to you know, double check and look over again, I have you know, miles and miles of video to go and I go through things to keep myself. If I have any uncertainties on players, I go back and I'll review tape uh, and see exactly, you know, go through some reports. If I'm 100% on a guy, I want to make sure I'm 100. So I want to be 150%. I'll go back and look at video and relay what I think uh, they need to do. And we'll all get together have a conference call and just make sure we're on 100% the same page uh, when it comes to making sure this is the guy that we want to go after. Uh, and then there's also there's background checks. I mean, the biggest thing for us, obviously, is getting in touch with coaches, former trainers that these guys played for to make sure the character check is in tune. And that's something that is that's ongoing always. Uh, and I'm doing a lot of that right now. So certain guys that we do like, we want to make sure that not only are they great hockey players, but they're also great people. So uh, there's a lot of phone calls that are going on right now. That's what's kind of keeping me busy. Uh, you go a little bit stir crazy because like everyone else, you'd love to see the hockey and you'd like to you know, you want to see it, touch it, feel it. You want to be out there doing things, but you know, that's not anything that's going to happen in, in the near future. So you have to cross your T's, dot your I's with everything else that you can do right now. And that's a lot of phone calls. That's a lot of background checks and that's a lot of revising your list. So when the league does start up, uh, there's no second guessing. This is it. This is who we're going after. 
we're ready to go and let's start the season. In terms of the on-ice stuff, you mentioned, you know, you're looking for guys who are going to be able to take their game from North America and transition that to Europe. What kind of uh, on-ice characteristics, what kind of styles are you looking for that makes you think that they would be able to take that game and be successful in Europe? Well, the, the biggest thing that we look at whenever I'm out scouting, and I think it's kind of universal now, whether it's for the NHL, Europe, wherever, is someone's got to be able to skate, uh, especially over in Europe. If you, if you run the big ice service, if, if your skating is a hindrance over here in North America, it's going to be magnified twice over there just because of the size of the rink over there. And our team has always been, has been built uh, the last four years on speed and mobility, agility, being able to get around the rink and, and have a pace uh, in the game. And, and that's kind of what we're looking for. And, you know, obviously the quality of the character check backgrounds is we have a lot of, uh, we do a really heavy regime on, on fitness training. And I mean, probably over in Germany, especially in Germany, uh, we kind of have a model the same way the, the Swedish elite league has over there. And it's a very, very intense training regime. Some guys uh, get a little bit shell shocked when they come over because we do work as hard as we do. Some guys think that while well, it's going to be a bit of a European vacation, we'll have some fun. I'll, I'll jump on a train and go to Paris for a weekend and, or go to Amsterdam, which, which they can do things like that. But our league is a very professional league and it's, it's hockey first and your leisure time is second. We try to have a good balance of it, but so the character check, we want to make sure guys are gym rats. They enjoy going and working out and it's not somebody that's coming over. That's just going to enjoy the, the German beer and kind of let themselves fall, fall apart and play their last remaining years in, in Germany. So we're looking at younger guys. If we can get them guys that still have a passion to play the game, uh, and guys that want to continue to get better, not just look at it as the tail end of their career. So that goes into a lot of the character checks that we're looking at. And then obviously the skating, the skill set, being able to to stick handle, have good vision, and being a, an ultimate team guy. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but those are just a few that, that I mentioned. Man, who doesn't love German beer? All right, you mentioned <laughs> it, Todd. Moritz Sider uh, last year, six overall. And Tim Stutzel this year coming up, uh, as you said, a top five pick looking like a, a sure thing there. This is your chance to pump uh, those guys, your program, and and Germany in general. I mean, we, we've got a, a German who was, uh, if we were still playing hockey, we'd be talking about Leon Dreisaitl being on the verge of winning the Hart Trophy. Tell us about these two young guys and, and maybe focus on Stutzel a bit because he's the one coming up for the next draft. Mannheim obviously won the German title last year. So um, some things are really going in the right direction, not only in, in your city with your team, but in that country. Well, yeah, first of all, Leon Dreisaitl, he came through our program in Mannheim as well. So we like to, right. uh, we like to pump our tires for that as well. <laughs> Mind you, he did come over and played in uh, the WHL when he was eligible, but he did come through our program. I actually got a chance to play against his dad. He was a very good player in Germany. So you saw where he got the skill set from. So he comes from a hockey family to begin with, but Mordet Sider for one, I was just actually in Grand Rapids before the league got shut down uh, last week. And uh, I, I keep in contact with him a whole lot. He lives with uh, Joe Valeno, which is another stud player in Grand Rapids and took those guys out for dinner and had a really good conversation. And, you know, they're adapting to the, to the pro life and doing very well. And, Last week, watched Mordet Sider play a game. And, you know, one thing that people that don't really know too much about Mordet's when he kind of came on the scene quickly and becomes six overall, uh, this guy has got a mean streak to him. And he is one tough SOB. And last week, uh, they were playing uh, against Iowa on Grand Rapids. And he was just a physical presence. There was a ton of NHL scouts up there. 
Uh, a lot of Detroit brass, obviously, because that's the farm team. I uh, just couldn't believe the game that this guy had played in terms of the physical side of. He's a skater. He's six foot four. Uh, the knock on him was, well, how is he going to be able to handle the heavy game? Well, if you watched this game the other night, you, you, you know that this guy's NHL ready and he's ready to play. So getting drafted sixth overall was a bit of a shock maybe to some people over here in North America. But when you see him play, and I think he'll play next year for the Red Wings, you'll understand why they did take him as high as they did. And then with Tim Stutzel, he's uh, actually one of Morton Sider's best friends, so it was kind of cool. He had an opportunity to come over to North America uh, and play in uh, the United States Junior League this year. He chose not to. Uh, he followed the footsteps of his of his buddy Morton Sider and decided, well, I think that the DEL is a great pro league. I think I can develop. I saw what happened to Morton, so I'm going to do the same thing. And we loved it because we were able to develop and work with him very, very closely. And I think for him to stay here in, in Germany last year with our organization, which has, you know, it, it's second to none. There's great programs everywhere uh, around Europe in, in the CHL, uh, the American League, all that. But people don't realize that the program that we have running in Mannheim is second to none in the world, and it is outstanding. And it, it did nothing but helped him with his development this year. He played on our, our top line this year. Uh, he's a centerman by trade, but uh, in, in the first year of this year, we decided to put him on the wing and let Ben Smith, who some people may recognize that name, he played with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the uh, Toronto Marlies for a couple of years, won a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks, and he was somewhat of a mentor to to Tim Stutzel this year and, and showed him what it's like to be a pro. So it was great for him to be around that environment. But a lot of people ask me, who do I compare Tim Stutzel to for people that you know really haven't seen him or known him? He reminds me a lot of Mitch Marner. Uh, he's got a lot of the same tendencies, the quickness, the, the skill set, the hockey IQ. It's all there. So this is a 17-year-old kid that uh, played a left wing for us this year in Manham on our top line. And everything went through him on our power play. I've never seen a 17-year-old orchestrate a power play the way he did in a men's league with guys that have won Stanley Cup. So this guy's the real deal. Uh, whoever's going to get a shot at, at, at grabbing Tim and bringing him on board in their organization, they are getting the real deal. They're getting an outstanding playmaking, get you out of your seat type forward, who eventually I think is going to transfer back to the center position over here. Just needs to get a little bit stronger, a little bit heavier, like all 17-year-old kids. they got to develop a little bit more. Uh, and when he gets uh, gets to that, which which I think can be as, as early as next year and, and probably play a regular shift, be a regular player in the National Hockey League, I'd be surprised if he doesn't uh, next year. I think this kid is going to do some crazy things over here in North America and, again, continue to uh, show you the trend that German hockey is really on the right path uh, with guys that keep coming up as the young guys follow the footsteps of Leon Dreisaitl. All right. Well, there is a ringing endorsement for uh, Mr. Stutzel. Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully you can get back to your your normal uh, duties and and pick things up and and get going all over the world again but um you know uh first things first stay safe and healthy and we will promise to do the same well you know guys it's it's all about uh taking care of yourself taking care of your family taking care of others around here right now it's not about you know there's a lot of things the world is bigger than the life of sports right now yes sports is a big part of our lives but Right now, we're going through something right now that everyone has to buy and do the due diligence, listen to what uh, the government's telling us, and and go about it the right way so we can so we can conquer this and so we can move on. But right now, it's uh, it's health first and and sports and everything else second. So you guys as well take care of yourselves and and hopefully uh, we'll be talking sports sooner rather than later. Well said, thanks, man. Okay, boys.
That was Todd Lushko. Todd is the director of North American Scouting and Player Development for the Adler Mannheim Eagles. Uh, as I said, ringing endorsement there for for Tim Stutzel. Rory, hopefully, again, we'll uh, we'll get back to a point sooner rather than later where we can get excited about things like maybe having a Marner facsimile in the same division, maybe <laughs> even in the Battle of Ontario. That would be something. When he's talking about Stutzel being like Marner, that's where my mind immediately went was, well, Ottawa's in great position to potentially get him. And this is one of the hypotheticals, right? We're, we're all getting excited over the hypotheticals of what the NHL might look like when it does resume. And that includes how are they going to handle the draft lottery right now? Ottawa would have the second and third best odds to get the first overall pick, but it it sounds like from from what Sam Cosentino has written in the past that Stutzel right now is the third ranked prospect. Could even challenge Quinton Byfield for number two. Maybe he needed the under 18s to do that, which obviously has been canceled. But still, I mean, you're looking at a very good possibility that Ottawa has two picks within at least the top five there, and and Stutzel would be there. So. Marner and Stutzel, if they're going to be players like each other and they're playing against each other a lot in the Battle of Ontario, that thing could ramp up uh, to levels we haven't seen in quite a long time um, before long, which is good for the league if it does. Absolutely. And uh, something to think about for the future. For now, uh, as Todd said, everyone out there, of course, you know, listen to the the people who, who know what they're talking about, as Rory and I will as well. Uh, we've all got to, uh, you know, make some sacrifices here. My daughter uh, stopped watching the Wiggles so that the Wi-Fi could be clear so that we could record this podcast. So big shout out, big stip, stick tap to Claire today for uh, helping us uh, wade through this uh, this brave new world here. And, and great that we were able to connect here, Rory. Yeah, I mean, it really is. This is strange times to say the least. Um, you know, everybody just be safe. It's wash your hands, do everything that we're all guided to do. And if we all follow these rules, then hopefully we can get back to some level of, of normal before long. But, you know, in the meantime, we'll do these remote podcasts, Ryan, as as often as we can to, to stay in touch with each other and with our listeners. And, Hopefully we can bring some compelling content, even though there are no games to talk about. We can talk to the personalities around it and what's going on and any developments that are bound to happen in the weeks ahead as well. Yes, now that we've successfully got one in the books from the basement, uh, we're going to continue to to keep rolling these out. Don't know exactly about the frequency yet, but but we're definitely going to aim to have uh, a new one up every week. So check out sportsnet.ca for everything we're doing there. Follow Rory on Twitter at Rory Boylan, myself at Dixon on Sports. And check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape.